Our reading is from the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, the first 21 verses. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life for many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them round your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will find favour and good name in the sight of man, God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will bring, brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honour. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge the watery depths were divided, and the clouds let drop the dew. My son... Do not let wisdom and, and understanding out of your sight. Preserve sound judgment and discretion. We thank the Lord for his word. Thanks, Sam, very much. Let's come to God's word as we pray. Uh, ask for his help. Father, we turn to that verse that we looked at at the beginning of last week from James chapter um, 5. If anyone lacks wisdom... He is to ask God who gives generously without finding fault. Father, thank you for that wonderful truth that you give us your wisdom and we desperately need it for so many different reasons. And so we pray for your help this evening as we think about wisdom, as we think about the role of discipline as part of your wisdom. We pray you'd give us humility to accept what we read. You'd give us wisdom to know how it translates into our life. And we pray all of this so that this week we might live wise lives to the honour and glory of Jesus Christ. Amen. Great. Well, keep that passage open, would you? Um, I wonder if you could just turn back to chapter 1. Uh, I want to start where we finished off last week. And I want to, you to try and remember that illustration that I gave us from chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 20 and 21 again. Wisdom calls aloud in the street... She raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. In the gateways of the city, she makes her speech. 
If you remember the, the illustration from last week, I was trying to sort of take that, um, those verses and ground them. And so the illustration I gave was, imagine you're at the Tame Food Festival um, in September, and the, the roads are closed off to cars, it's just pedestrians. There's thousands of people, and everyone's going about buying stuff at the market and shopping and getting organized for Christmas, perhaps, if you're very organized. And it was the idea that everyone's just busy, 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 but there was a lady down at the Tame Food Festival who had a message that she desperately, desperately wanted everybody to hear. But how was she going to get everyone to hear it? Because everyone was just busy, busy shopping. And do you remember the illustration that the lady, as it were, climbs up a lamppost and she calls aloud to all the people who are doing their different things. And she's calling them to say, will you hear my voice? I've got something really important for you to hear. And the challenge for us was, well, if we were at the Tame Food Festival, would we just be busy, busy, busy shopping, or would we hear her voice? Because life is like this, isn't it? There's lots of different voices all the time speaking to us, uh, wanting our attention, and God is speaking, like Lady Wisdom, up the lamppost. But will you listen to me, he's saying. Um, I did say at the end of last week that there would be a chance um, during this evening. Um, if any of you want to share your lamppost moments... Um, that doesn't mean share stories of where you were on your phone and walking down the street and then you bumped your head. Uh, it is an opportunity now. If anyone sort of reflected on this week, of that, those, that challenge with all these different voices to listen in to God's voice, was there anyone who's here who can just consciously remember a moment in the week where that little illustration sort of came to you and did help you? Um, it doesn't matter if there aren't, but I, just, I did promise there'd be an opportunity for one or two to share if any wanted to. No problem, well, we can talk about lampposts afterwards. Um, but I just wanted to give us that moment just to reflect so that we're putting into practice what we're learning. But tonight we're looking in at Proverbs 3, so do turn back to that passage that Thelma read. And I want to put on the screen a, a little structure that this chapter particularly gives us. And it comes, the structure comes with three references where the writer says, My son. You'll see it there in verse 1, in verse 11, and verse 21. And that's the kind of structure that we're going to follow tonight as we journey through this chapter together. Notice these three things, and we're going to look at each of these in turn. My son, do not forget my teaching. That's the first thing we'll consider. Then the father says, my son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. That's the second thing we'll look at. And then verse 21, my son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. But notice as well, in between verse 1 and verse 11, and verse 11 and verse 21, there's a kind of a point that the writer is driving towards, and it's on the screen there in blue. Instead of forgetting God's teaching, what are we called to do, verse 5? This is our verse for the year. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. We're called not to despise the Lord's discipline, but why? We'll look at verse 19. That wonderful declaration of who God is. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. And so as we look at these three things in this structure tonight, my son, my son, my son, let's keep in our minds that, that sort of summary foundation verse of verse 5, to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. And let's hold in our minds that wonderful concrete truth about God in verse 19, that by God's wisdom he laid the earth's foundation. I hope you can see from this chapter, that wisdom is a good thing. God's wisdom is a good thing. Do you notice how wisdom is described in chapter 3? She. Remember last week with the intro to Proverbs, I said that sometimes wisdom is personified in a person because wisdom is something we're to relate to, rather like we're to relate to God in his wisdom. And so here, as the father is instructing the son, he describes to the son wisdom as a lady, she, verse 18, is what? 
tree of life. And then verse 22, and we ended with this last week from chapter 1, verse 22 of chapter 3, uh, those who seek this wisdom, uh, it will be to them life. And so the idea in Proverbs is that wisdom and life are intricately linked. Wisdom is not about just head knowledge. It's about living wisely. It leads to life. And so the question I want to ask us, and these are rhetorical questions just for you to reflect on. Ask yourself this question now in a moment of quiet. Um, am I wise? Not me, but you. And I'll ask myself the question. Um, am I wise? And then ask yourself the question, do I want to be wise? I certainly hope we would be able to have the humility to say, I'm not as wise as I want to be, but I want to get wiser. That would be a healthy place to be. If we're the fount of all knowledge and we're to- totally wise, then perhaps we're God, and I suggest that we're not. And then the third question, am I growing in wisdom? Because wisdom, as we learned last week, is sort of earthy. There's a sense of which we grow in wisdom through the experiences of life. Am I growing in wisdom? And it's interesting, wisdom is not automatic with age. You wouldn't say of a baby, a baby is wise. They've not really done any life. A baby's not wise. But you can't automatically say of an older person, they are wise. Wonderfully, often, wisest people are those who are older because they've lived through life. But you'll only get from not being wise as a baby to being a wise older person if, as you grow in your life, you're seeking God's wisdom. It's very easy to become an older person full of worldly wisdom and not God's wisdom. So am I wise? Do I want to be wise? And am I growing in wisdom? And then as we reflect on how you've answered those own questions in your heart, let's come to this one, verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching. Now, who says you can't learn anything from Peanuts comic strip? I suspect this wasn't on view um, when the person penned this little cartoon. But the idea here is that, as if, you, if you're listening on the tape and can't see the screen, the idea is keep looking up, that's the secret to life. And indeed, that is the secret to life in God's economy. The secret to true godly wisdom is to keep our heads up. What I'd love you to do is just turn to the person next to you. Ask yourself, ask each other this question. What causes us to forget God's teaching? Just be super practical, be super honest, not going to embarrass anybody, just in pairs. What causes us to forget God's teaching? Just give you a minute. Okay, I'm going to jump in there because we could talk for a while. There's probably all sorts of reasons why we forget, so I don't want to fill us with too many ideas of how to forget. There are loads of things that cause us to forget, but then you come to that verse 5 that we looked at in that structure, verse 5. We're called to trust in the Lord with all of our heart, but if you're anything like me, is it not true that it's so easy, isn't it, to lean on our own understanding? And when I lean on my own understanding, I forget God. I forget I need to listen to him because I just try and do it myself. I suspect that's true for many of us. Verse 5 tells us in all our ways to submit to him. Why are you anything like me where you struggle to do that? See, one of the reasons we forget is that we don't trust in him with all of our heart and we don't submit our life to him. And so what we see is the way that we go and it's very hard then to learn from his instructions. Hence the little cartoon on the screen. The important thing is to keep looking up. To keep looking up and to look to God, the God of true wisdom. So you'll be thinking and reflecting on that question I asked you, what causes you to forget? Another question, and I'm going to give you the answer to this one. What stops us forgetting? Come to verse 1 of chapter 3. Do you notice? 
My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. It's interesting, isn't it? It doesn't say keep your commands in your mind. That's obviously where we're going to keep them, because I think things. It's not that these commands are to bypass our mind, but here the writer specifically says keep these commands in your heart. This is, I think, the reason. There's all the difference in the world between knowing the commands of God and loving the commands of God. The commands of God are deeply relational. It's not about knowing the commands. The religious leaders, the Pharisees, knew the commands. Did they love them? And did they love the God behind them? Often not. And so here where the writer says, do not forget my teaching, but keep it in your hearts. It's not just an idea of knowing everything up here. It's about it sinking deep into our hearts so that we love the God behind the commands. And when I love him, I'll love his commands and it will help me not to forget his teaching. Now just notice how this then works out. Three little examples. And you get the examples with the little phrases, this or then. And I put them on the screen there in yellow. So from verse 3, let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. These are metaphors for keeping God's word center on our life. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Verse 7, do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. And then verse 9, honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now as you read those little phrases, and this is something we looked at last week, what's the kind of first question you want to ask of those? What's the puzzle? Particularly perhaps the second one. Do you remember last week we looked at the Proverbs? The purpose of the Proverbs, they are general truths that illustrate wisdom. They're not hard and fast rules. So of course, generally speaking, if I let God's love and his faithfulness never leave me, and they remain central in my life, will that bring favour in the eyes of others? Because God's wisdom is attractive to others. Yes, generally speaking, but not always. Is it a good thing to be wise in God's eyes, not in my own eyes, and to fear him? Absolutely. But does it categorically mean that I will have good health? Of course not. Plenty of wise people who have suffered terrible health. Proverbs aren't hard and fast rules. They're general truths that illustrate wisdom. And then the same with the third one. See, a lot of God's wisdom involves mystery. And that's a real challenge, isn't it? Having to grapple with God because he declares a truth which we know in our minds sinks down into our heart. But we have to grapple There's a sense of mystery. And I think one of the hardest things as we learn to be a people that hear the instructions of God is to really trust in God's timing. I think one of the reasons I might often get angry with God or frustrated with him is because his timing is totally different to mine. I want to know now what the outcome of this situation will be. But he says, wait. I want suffering to be relieved now. And he says, wait. And wait is a very painful word to hear. But it's part of what it means to grow in wisdom. It's to trust. There is a sense of mystery in life. I won't always have the understanding. And there's certainly a a need to trust in God's timing. That's why verse 5 is crucial. Do I trust in the Lord with all of my heart? Or just the bit of my heart that finds it easy to trust when life is going well? Um, Do I submit all of my ways to God or just the parts of my life that seem simple? It's a challenge, isn't it? But the purpose here, do not forget my teaching, and particularly verse 1, is the idea of storing up God's teaching in our hearts, not by passing the mind, but because the word of God is meant to impact our hearts, to teach us to love the God of his commands. 
And as I love him, I'll learn to love his commands. And so one of the crucial things we can do to stop us forgetting God's commands is to deepen our relationship with the God of the commands. Because the more I love him, the more I want to follow his instructions. Just to build on that then, the second thing comes in verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline. Can you just ask, let me ask you this question. In what sense have you ever experienced the wisdom of God being discipline? I would be interested just to hear two or three comments. Can you just think about this? How have you ever experienced God's wisdom as discipline? Anyone brave enough to share a little anecdote or an example of a time in life? It could just be a word that illustrates something. Waiting. Yeah, great. Wisdom is waiting often. And we just looked at that, haven't we? God's timing is really different. And so sometimes God's wisdom is real discipline for us because I don't want to wait. I want an answer now. I want relief now. That's hard. It's hard when you walk alongside someone who's suffering in that way. Yeah. Where else have people experienced the wisdom of God being disciplined? Yeah. See, my heart wants to go in this direction and God is calling me this direction. It's the same food festival all over again. I'm on a busy, busy shop, shop, do my thing. Someone's up a lamppost saying, will you listen? I'm running in this direction. God is saying, will you listen to me? And so God's instructions can challenge us. Yeah. Any other examples? Yeah, relationships are really tricky, aren't they? How do we work through difficult relationships? And sometimes God places us in difficult relationships that really test us, stretch us, but that's part of his discipline. Think of a parent. Think of a parent. A parent never doesn't discipline their child. Discipline is loving, but no child at the time wants to be told to put the toys away or help clear up after dinner or or be told that it's not okay to swear. But it's a good thing that a parent disciplines a child. It's part of God's wisdom. But again, as I reflect on this, it's so easy to trust in the Lord, isn't it? But not with all of my heart. It's easy to trust in God for understanding in many areas, but not lean on him in all things. It's easy in lots of ways to submit to him. But if I'm really honest, there's certain areas or compartments of my life which I'm not really prepared to submit to him. And that's part of where God's discipline comes in. And that's why, again, verse 1 is crucial. Because if God's commands are not just in my mind, but in my heart, if I love God... Far easier then to accept his discipline. See, children will, over time, learn the discipline of their parents because there's a relationship and there's a relationship of love. And as a child grows older, they see that so often parents' discipline is good for them. And that is why they then learn to obey their parents. In a sense, it's no different with God. We have to learn obedience. But it requires a lot of discipline. Just come to verse 13, if you would. Think again, this is the father speaking to the son. You imagine a father speaking to a teenage son and they're giving him a bit of a pep talk. Maybe it's a sort of the birds and the bees conversation because the little boy has come of age and he's just begun to ask that conversation that every parent dreads. And they're beginning to have a conversation about relationships and about girls. And here, what does the father want to do? Just as the father sees the son and all the hormones are beginning to develop and wants to instruct the son to be wise in his relationships with women... Here, again, the father speaks about wisdom as if she is a woman. The father wants the son to grow in love with Lady Wisdom. Son, you may grow in love in time with a woman, that's a good thing. But most importantly, fall in love with Lady Wisdom. 
And notice then verse 13, blessed are those, the father says, who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is. Now look at the description, look for all the P's that describe what lady wisdom is like. She is more profitable than silver and yields better return than gold. Verse 15, she is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand, in her left hand are riches and honour. Verse 17, her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. That's a description of Lady Wisdom. Profitable, precious, pleasant, peace. And then look at how it all comes together. How ultimately is Lady Wisdom summarised? Verse 18. And we looked at this at the beginning. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Just cast your mind back to the book of Genesis. What happened when God's people, the first people, despised the Lord's discipline? Would you just flip back to Genesis just to remind yourself? Genesis chapter 3, verse 23. This is after Adam and Eve had disobeyed God and despised his discipline. So the Lord God, verse 23, banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he'd been taken After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard what? The way to the tree of life. And so here where the first people despised the discipline of God, what did it ultimately cut them off from? It cut them off from the source of life. Which is what we looked at at the beginning, that wisdom is not just something up in my mind, but wisdom is inherently about life. It's about living life God's way. And when Adam and Eve despised the discipline of God, they were cut off from life. And so as we consider what it's like to despise the wisdom of God, we'd be foolish if we despise his discipline and his wisdom just because we can't understand. Of course, that needs to be grappled with. There'll be times in your prayers where you cry out to God, you get angry with God, you're wrestling with him. That's what the Proverbs are about in part, wrestling with these truths. But ultimately... When I choose to despise the wisdom of God, I'm cutting myself off from the source of life. Wisdom is deeply relational, and if I despise God's discipline, I'm despising God. And it takes me ultimately to a place where I'm cut off from him. And that's not a good place to be. And that, friends, then, is why we get the third, my son, in our passage in verse 21. My son, do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. Now, on the screen is the little summary from last week, just to recall for us. What was wisdom's aim? It was to live life well to the glory of God. What is wisdom's source? It's ultimately Jesus Christ. He is wisdom from God. What is wisdom's call? It's listening to the instructions of God. It's our lady at the lamppost at the Tame Food Festival. And what is wisdom's outcome? And we looked at it at the end of last week, three times in chapter one. Life, life, life. And you get it here again in chapter 3. So wisdom for us is being a people that don't take our eyes off Jesus. How does the author in the book of Hebrews put it? Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Hebrews, as we looked at in our series not long ago, is all about drifting. People who drift away from God. What stops me from drifting is being anchored In the same way that what stops a boat drifting, it's having an anchor. And in the Christian life, we learn in the book of Hebrews, the thing that stops us drifting is being anchored in a truly wise God. 
keeping our eyes up, lifting our eyes to Jesus all the time. And so in terms of just thinking about this week ahead, a question for you, will you give Jesus Christ your best time this week? Very easy on a Monday morning when we've got a whole ton of things to do to rush into the week. But he's the author and the perfecter of faith. He's the source of wisdom. Will we come to him to lean on his understanding, to submit to him in all our ways? Or if we're honest, have we just got too much to do? We'll come to it later. And then your experience, I'm sure, will be like mine. You get to the end of the day and you haven't even come before the creator who made you. It's a real challenge, isn't it? Will we pray for humility? I love that verse in 2 Timothy 3.16 where Paul writes to Timothy, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching and correcting, training and rebuking. We love the teaching and the training bit. Of course God's word will teach and train me. We don't like the rebuke and the correction bit. But God's word does both. And so we need to pray for that humility because a lot of God's wisdom is discipline. As we close, I want us just to reflect on a passage from Matthew chapter 7. If you want to turn to it, it might be helpful. This is the last reference you'll look up. But Matthew chapter 7, it's the famous story where Jesus, towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, is speaking to his disciples and he's talking to them about what it means to be a wise or a foolish builder. And this is an illustration which is very vivid that will help us to kind of anchor what we've been looking at together tonight. Matthew chapter 7. Uh, and I'm going to read 24 to 27. Matthew 7:24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against the house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his hand on the house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. In this story, you've got wisdom that builds on the rock, and you've got foolishness that builds on the sand. And in this story, the wind and the rain and everything comes at both houses. But it's only the house that is built on the rock that stands firm. See, as you pursue the wisdom of God, as you embrace the Lord's discipline, particularly when it's difficult, it's not going to make you immune from the wind and the waves and the storms in your life. But the wonderful illustration that's described so perfectly in Jesus' words here is that despite the wind and the waves and everything that life will throw at you, all the confusion, all the questions that maybe you won't get an answer to this side of heaven, all the heartache that you have to carry with you. The great truth is, in that, you stand firm. Not because you are firm, but because the foundation you build on is firm. Isn't that such an encouragement when you feel weak? My hope is built on nothing less but Jesus Christ and his righteousness. I will not be strong as a follower of Jesus Christ because I am strong. I will be strong as a follower of Jesus Christ because my Lord is strong and I build on his foundation. And the biggest threat to not building wisely, to not placing our house on the rock and instead building on the sand, is that we drift. Because we don't take that little cartoon from Peanuts seriously. The secret of life is to keep looking up. And all the time that we lift our heads up and all the time as a church family we encourage each other to lift our heads up. What we're doing is putting into practice Proverbs 3 verse 21. My son... Do not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. 
just just think of what a, a teenage boy would be like racing after all the different things in life with the kind of the world at their fingertips and it's a wonderful time of life just to explore and try everything and yet the one thing the father most wants for his son is to not let wisdom out of your sight. Yes, son, go off and explore there. Yes, son, get involved in that business endeavor. Yes, son, pursue a relationship. But the one thing as a father that I long for you most of all is that you will not let wisdom and understanding out of your sight. And if this is Solomon speaking to his son, Solomon is a man who knows from his own mistakes what it's like to build his house on the sand. And so he's speaking with experience saying, son, don't make the mistake I made. My discipline is given to you because I love you. And it's exactly the same with God. The Bible tells us he disciplines those whom he loves. And so his instruction and his discipline is good for us. And as we close, to give each of us confidence this week, as we look up, what do we see? We see Jesus Christ. He is the cornerstone. He is the foundation. And the bigger my view of him, the stronger I will be as God continues to teach me his wisdom, as he teaches me through discipline, and as he teaches me to not let wisdom and understanding out of my sight. So friends, let's be a church, let's be a people this week, and we're going to sing of it shortly. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand but in his hands we're secure. And isn't that a wonderful thing? Let's pray together. Lord, in a moment of uh, quiet reflection, we just give you, in the stillness of our hearts, whatever area of our life where we're battling to trust you, and where, if we're really honest, at the moment we're building that part of our life on sand, Lord, we just give it to you and acknowledge it in a moment of quiet. And Father, as we lay that issue, that area of our life at the foot of the cross, we want to pray that this week you would help us to build, not on that sand, but on the rock of Jesus Christ. Thank you for that truth, and we declare that truth in our hearts now, that on Christ he is the solid rock on which I stand. And we acknowledge, Lord, that all other ground is sinking sand. And so we pray that you would help us to increasingly build our life on the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us this week to be a people that regularly look up, lift our eyes to the living God, to hear your instructions. Help us not to forget them, Lord. And so, as we seek not to forget your instructions, help us to grow to love you because your instructions are relational. They're about us knowing you and living life for your glory and our good. Help us, Lord, not to despise your discipline and help us to be sensitive and patient with each other as we walk through life in the pains and struggles with each other as we grapple with your wisdom as we as we surrender those mysteries to you that we don't understand and we long for answers to give us that humility and the grace to walk alongside each other and lord please help us to be a people who do not let this week wisdom and understanding out of our sight because we recognize that all other ground is sinking sand and we need to build our life on you. Thank you, Lord, though, that our life is ultimately secure in Jesus Christ. Thank you that this church is secure because it's built on the foundation of Christ. Thank you that you are our rock 
and our salvation. Please give us great assurance of your love this week. And please help us to grow to be a people who are wise and love the Lord Jesus evermore. With all of our hearts, with all of our mind, with all of our soul and with all of our strength. And Father, we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.